We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Today is June 12th, and Britt, I feel like we have done maybe three The Timberwolves Season is Over podcasts in the past three months. But Now uh, it really is over. It really is over. Um, obviously, that announcement came that the eight teams with the worst record, or whatever, are not, are not invited to Orlando. And um, the reason I wanted to do this was kind of just to put a cap on this season, but we did also get the chance to talk to Gerson and Ryan for about 90 minutes. Um, yeah, maybe even longer, right? Even longer than that, yeah. <laughs> and um, Of course, most of it wasn't related to basketball. Yeah, I, well, the beginning, um, obviously, was about the more pressing issues at hand, you know, socially in, in Minneapolis. But we did, we did get to, later on, a good half hour of... Uh, of basketball related, you know, conversation. And, um, and I think some, there were some nuggets that kind of came up in, in that. So I guess just to start, what was like, what did you most take away from that time? Uh, I took away that, um, he, Gerson Rosas, uh, who I've become more and more convinced is pretty much the franchise. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, and I think that he is both I, th- I think he's not close to being satisfied or done with some major restructuring of the roster, which is one of the questions the only question I asked him directly mm-hmm. um, and between the lines that's what he's saying he doesn't like to say you know uh, he doesn't like to trash his roster, which is fine, except, you know, he did trash his roster the day after he got rid of everybody uh, when he had the thing in May. And I get the impression that um, 
that Kat and D'Angelo Russell and probably Malik Beasley are fine and in place. And I think that James Johnson is a short-term expensive rental. I think that he is to some extent a keeper. Um, I think they like Josh Okoge for a variety of reasons, mostly having to do with uh, salary efficiency and role right now. But I get the impression that um, I get the impression that almost everybody is on the table, and I get the impression that almost anything goes, and that he keeps swapping out pieces until he can get the absolute best pieces. And, and I, I don't think he's ready to say, all right, I've got my pieces, now they just need to marinate for two or three years. I don't think he's that kind of a GM. No, that's what I was going to say, is I don't think that this is a Timberwolves-specific thing. I think that he would, if he had taken the Pelican's job or if he had taken the Wizard's job, it would have been the same thing. It's, the, it's this idea that you grow your net worth by consistently making micro-asset transactions. Or you know? macro, as or the macro. case may be. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, it's the idea that more is more. You know, the, exactly. the idea of exactly. it, it's a stupid, like, I've said well, this. that's how you get Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and no centers mm-hmm. on your team. Right. You know, you know I the mean, Houston example, that to right. the extent that his template is Houston, um, you keep on leveraging pieces until you have a lot of cool pieces. See, and I think you, they're even, they're, they're just like, the Wolves are at this stage that is like, the pubescent version of even Houston a few years before. I don't even think we really got to see that because Houston all of a sudden went from, they went from the Yao T-Mac team to then all of a sudden they got, they got hardened. There wasn't really this like this window where they were rebuilding. Right. And I think this is what had they, I don't know, bottomed out for a little while. This is more what the Houston model would have looked like possibly, but Gerson is, this is the area where I don't think we can totally point to X, Y, and Z happened in Houston, so let's apply it to ABC in Minnesota. No, but I will say that if Houston had bottomed out, they would not be spending six hundred and sixty, I mean sixty-six million dollars for two players two years <laughs> from now. Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, you know that's. Right. I said this on Twitter in answer to a question from somebody, but Rosas is either making a bold leap in terms of this Russell-Cat combo, Mm -hmm. or it's a monumental bluff where he's basically saying, these are my guys, these are my cornerstones for a championship. Well, you know, I think what he more accurately should say is, these are the two best guys on my roster as I see it at this particular time. yeah, no, I think there's like, and we're not trying to put words in his mouth, but I think what the behavior suggests is let's see where this goes around Cat and Delo this year, next year. But the reality of the situation, if the ultimate goal is a championship, if we deem that that doesn't work, then you change, you pivot. And again, that they could, that isn't even a shot at Cat and Delo. That could he could think the same thing about if it was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and he would he would pivot off of it. He's just not the type. I don't think the type of general manager who is going to 
see a wall and say, we're going to run through it. No, right. we're going to find a way to move the pieces Okay, but around. that kind of philosophy, just so we're clear, and I know I've, this is kind of old ground between us, but this is like getting married seven times. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, I have fidelity to this. It's these are, I love this center. I love this point guard until there may be a chance to somehow get better. And then I may love somebody else just as much, which kind of conflicts with this family, we're all a family, top to bottom situation. And so he says great things about Cat, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him for most of this stuff. But what I will say is um, I don't think you can, when I say bold leap or monumental bluff, that portrays my bias, which is, if you expect to win a ring with two guys who have never played defense on a combined like 10 NBA seasons, that's faulty thinking. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And that's why I don't think he, I don't think he actually envisions that. Okay. But he certainly signals that he's got the guys he loves. And this I, is what I, see, we're going to This is very differentiate. I think he's got, he sees that he's got some guys he loves right now. And in maybe because of the grandeur of all of it, it, it's, it signals that he loves the whole team. There's, there's no way. He, he does other signals along the way where he talks about this team having draft capital and why certain players are here. There are, there are little crumbs along the oh, way. That without say, a doubt. And I agree with that totally. But what I will also say is if you're paying two guys $33 million a year two years from now, yeah, that's an issue. Then you better fucking love them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's the that's the that's the stone wall, you know. That's uh, the stone and, wall. But so, I'm and not, he he moved heaven and earth to create that situation with Russell. And I think the reality of the situation is he does think a lot more of DeAndre Russell than ninety nine percent of people. I agree with that. Or at least 90% of the people. There's some Russell stands out there. that are... Yeah. And, and you know, if I'm j being honest and, like, taking some more time to look into D'Angelo Russell, I find myself liking more and more of him. And, and that's just, I mean, there wasn't that much to rewatch that I just had right. over these sure. three months. And, and I've, I've really just kind of approached it of, like, okay, what are the major flags and how, how thinking, okay, if I'm Gerson Rosas and I do like this player, how have I justified these flags? Right. Right. And, and I think, I don't think he can justify the defensive stuff. And all you can say there is we're going to get him in the best shape possible. And we're going to have the best coaching in place to have a defensive. Scheme. And the scheme is totally key here is totally key. But I think, so those are, there's more hoops to jump through there. But really, if you look at some of like the questionable offensive things, which admittedly there's less of, mm -hmm. I really think you can start to, to justify a lot more of it. And one thing that I would like to walk back a little bit is that I have I've been hard on him as a pick and as a pick and roll player mm -hmm. for his career. And if you really like look at the numbers, it's not great. He's been super high volume of it at like a me mediocre sort of efficiency, and that's. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of possessions. But who have his pick and roll partners been? 
That, but here's the, here's, this is the thing that I really noticed in, in going back and watching through. So D'Angelo Russell has really bad pick and roll numbers or relatively bad pick and roll numbers, but he has really good isolation numbers. And if you watch the isolation possessions as like split up through synergy, what they are is their pick and roll possessions where he then pulls it out mm. into an isolation. Yeah, he does do that. And, and that, it, like, I, I don't know if you, you would need to like combine those numbers and get really specific with it, but there is a, it's, it's led me to believe in rewatching it that there is this world where D'Andre Russell is really an elite offensive player. And I did not think that really at all. When, when they traded for him. And I don't know, maybe this is you know me searching for the glass half full in all of it, but there's just this argument out there that, hey man, if they if Cat is an elite center, which I think we're already ready to take to the bank, and D'Lo is close to that at the point guard position, then like... Okay, but elite now, hang on. Because elite means... I'm saying if, but go ahead. Okay, but no, I know. And first of all, I don't have many knocks on Russell's offensive game. I mean, I am a little concerned about how he finishes at the rim. He doesn't like contact. Um, and I think that for a point guard in the modern NBA, I think that's a problem. But given that, when we say elite, I'll even give you, I was going to say top five, but let's say top third in the league. Top third in the league is still top ten. Yeah. Ten point guards who he's I mean, it, Better than it, offensively. Yeah, offensively. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of point guards right now that are um, really mm. good. No, yeah, it's and I, and so I'm not let's saying say, he's there. Let's say let's say he's in the top fifteen, which is still a, probably a reach, but maybe maybe not. I mean, he's an all star in a watered down East, and he can average twenty a game pretty easily. But a lot of people can. Um, I am, and also, there is that dynamic. We don't know yet whether or not he and Kat maximize each other or just complement each other. Mm -hmm. We don't know if it's synergy or addition. And like right that. now, I'm a little bit more concerned about addition simply because I think both of them have the same kind of weird ego, which is that I will ostensibly be unselfish until it's time to really put things in gear and then just get out of my way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the question. And I, I know you and I have talked about this before too, where it's like, I don't know, man, it's a different generation of kids, people, men, young men. Right. And, and I, I, let me argue against myself for a second, which is that I do think that cat ceded to Wiggins a lot in crunch time. Will he do that? with a guy who he does not have less seniority than, because Wiggins was, a, you know, there initially. Um, I think Cat still needs to be the guy. And I think that Russell, to the extent that um, he can be a really good 1A, I don't want him to be Harden. Uh, I want him to be um, Chris Paul. Sure. And I think I think he can, Cat can totally be the guy. And if there's... 20 critical end of game possessions next Cat year. Cat gets 13 of them. I, I would say D'Lo could take the majority of them. And I don't think that would be, you know, I don't think that would be the end of the world because it's, we have learned right. that oh, we harder know. to do for bigs. Yeah, right? it, it just is like, 
and you know, run an action with the two of them. Don't have it be a scripted play. Like this leads to that. Like, I mean, I, I think that's just an overall problem in, in coaching and basketball is where we go, Oh wait, there's not much time on the clock. Let's just wait until we get to five seconds and force something. I mean, right, right. There, there are ways to, to incorporate two players if they're both offensively dynamic. Now, I don't know. I, there, there's, it is, I like how you put that. Is it addition or is it synergy? Because this only works if it's synergy. Addition, right. addition isn't going to be enough just, just with the two of them. Um, but I don't, and it's then, something to be intrigued about, like legitimately. Yes, but the only way you get intrigued is if they are both elite or they both become reliably mediocre defenders. So you you asked a rather you know pressing question to Ryan during the the presser the other day Pre- pressing at the presser um just which I think is a good point is nobody nobody in the NBA should know Carl Anthony Towns better than Ryan Saunders he's been there his whole career exactly he's and had hundreds of games and literally thousands and thousands of reps half court defensive reps transition defensive reps under a variety of circumstances, he came in as a rookie next to KG and Tejon Prince and mm-hmm. did great. He had a brief period of time there with Rocco right after the trade where he did great. And as Ryan pointed out, he actually was a pretty good defender the first six weeks of the last season, of the yeah. 1920 season. So what was it about those times? And that was your question. How did you I, feel about Ryan's response? I thought it was bullshit. But I mean, you know, I mean, what was his response? Give summarize his response. Well, I think his response was, yes, he has some steps to make. Uh, I asked specifically what were what were Cat's strengths and weaknesses? And I mentioned switching and he did say switching. Did you understand the switching answer that he gave? Well, because I didn't. I thought on the one hand he was defending the fact that they keep Cat as a rim protector, and then later on in the answer he was defending the idea of not having Cat as a strictly as a rim protector. So I, I reread it, and what he was talking about, as I understand it, was switching around Cat, switching four. And what you specifically said was he likes switching. He does. And you were talking about Cat-like switching. Exactly. And I think what Ryan was understanding or wanting to put out was – we do. We like that, too. But what he was saying that's is it's work when Cat has not been switched. That's why I got confused. And because the bottom line is Cat has to buy in. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point in time, if Cat doesn't buy in, he's not very bright. Because this is the only thing left, right? right. I mean, he has to play defense or this whole leadership thing. You know, he becomes the narrative on him grows and grows. It's getting, you know bolder and bolder underlined right um he has to commit to whatever defense they give him to run he has to run it well now the 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 around the question i asked ryan was he likes to switch and cat has has regaled us with how well he is out on the perimeter as Mm -hmm. a switching guy onto perimeter guys but the bottom line is he led the NBA in fouls, uh, I think, two years in a row. He was certainly right up there. Yeah. He is incredibly foul-prone. Some of that is temper. Some of that is technique. Some of that is scheme. 
Some of that is, too, to be fair to him, is his teammates getting blown by and forcing him to defend a lot of I stuff. Agree. I but, agree. But it's more the other things. And But the point I'm making is he likes to switch a lot. He's foul prone. If you switch a lot with him, which is what he likes to do, are you worried about fouls? Con- on conversely, if you don't switch with him and you make him a rim protector back while other people switch, which was the Vanterpool way, until it all got blown up, in which they pretty much started to fudge that, mm-hmm. and we're going to go with something different, I think, is what the indications were, until he got hurt. But, so we don't really know. That's but what, what Gerson said, this was the one, there's a sneaky line that, okay. he had, that he had in the end-of-season press conference on Wednesday was, he goes, through the changes of the deadline, we were able to address some of our needs offensively. Now, systematically and group-wise, we have to duress, address our defensive needs systematically is an important word in there. Yes, it is. And particularly because we have this, the evidence of granted, there's no cap, but the last 14 games of the season, they, they were awful, but they played a completely different way. Right. And they were 29th in the NBA in defense without cat. But, but I'm just talking, I'm not talking about effectiveness. I'm talking about I know, systematic. I know. You right. know that we, we haven't seen them. They played, they played 90 of their 103 total possessions of zone defense of the entire season. Those happened post-trade deadline. And the way they functioned, everything was night and day different. And because they had Nas Reed and James Johnson in the pivot. And what are you going to do there? Sure. Or they just decided maybe. Screw it. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing was, the Wolves, when Cat was there, let's talk like the first 30 games this season, when it, when it was quote-unquote working. They were dogmatically running something extremely basic. Yes. Defensively. And and it and it kind of worked. And I don't know if the goal I think maybe what we misconstrued at the time was, oh no, here we go. We're just gonna we're doing the same thing that Tibbs did. We're doing the same thing that Sam Mitchell did, where we're just dropping back the center and Kat's getting put in the middle and the pick and roll and he's getting worked. And it looked a lot the same. But I think because it was so basic that that was just like the bottom level of the That's pyramid. what they figured out to run against them. Yeah, and, and but I think it's very possible that, quote-unquote, solid is enough, which was, you know, right. Vanterpool's term right. he told you, that that was just, that's just step one. I think there was there are levels to be built on top of that. And for this year, when Cat was there, solid is enough was the goal. And now they go, okay, we've gathered information on this. What can we add to it? What can be different? I don't think we see the same scheme next year. I would bet. I I it totally agree with that. But what scheme we see, I literally, there are no clues. Right. Well, that's but now my point is, I don't know. I think the the clues suggest the last fourteen games. I know there's no cat and it's Nas Reed, but it's like the goal of that to run a bunch of defense and to run that small. The 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 idea is to junk up the offense, right? It's why a bunch of teams in the league this year started running a bunch of zone. It's just acknowledging that your personnel cannot necessarily stop them, and you're just trying to throw different sort of looks. Like, I don't... Can you compete for the playoffs even, let alone contend in the Western Conference, running that junk? <laughs> I mean, so... The it Rocket, certainly didn't the, work the for Malik Beasley. Think so? huh? I mean, the Rockets think so. Yeah, and, and they have... Probably 
possession for possession, the most gifted offensive player <laughs> in the NBA. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. The and answer. a guy, <laughs> by the way, who is going to either kill you or the other team. You know, I mean, I love Russell Westbrook. I understand all of Russell Westbrook's problems, and he has a million of them. But as a plan B, what a tremendous plan B. Let's say you're down eight and Harden doesn't have it that night. Screw it. Give the ball to Russell. I mean, you saw it happen against the Timberwolves a couple of times. That, yep. He had a third quarter against the Wolves in one of those games. He destroyed them just personally. Mm -hmm. Came down and hit that little mid-range in transition. Everybody's terrified he's going to go to the rim. Over and then over. once they started to come up on that, boom, hits the rim. I mean, when Westbrook is on. So my point is, sure, the Rockets could run that junk. But even then, everybody was kind of wondering, well, you know, what happens when you play the Clippers, you know, in a so, seven-game series and so you're running it? let's, just because the, the Houston parallel is a little played out, and I don't think this is necessary. They're not the only example. No, of that. my greater point, and then I will let you finish for a change. Right. Uh, <laughs> the, if you have Harden and Westbrook, and then you have like a Swiss Army knives, like Tucker and Rocco, mm -hmm. that's it. You know, the Wolves can only dream Every single piece of those four, the Wolves are lacking that piece as good. Mm -hmm. I mean, Harden is better than Cat in that role. I'd argue Westbrook, for all his flaws, is still better than D'Lo right yeah. now. Uh, Tucker is better than whoever you want to put out. Rocco is certainly better than whatever you want to right. put out there on defense. No, there's a lot of... And even then, the Rockets are a toss-up to win a playoff round. Well, they're the sixth seed right now, right? There you go. I mean, I guess they just they kind of traded for this team. They've had a weird year. But, but yeah, I, I guess... So if that's your blueprint moving forward, and I understand that blueprints... Then this, this gets back to it. We're circling back to the idea of... Rosas is fervent in what he says. How fervent is his commitment to doing what he says? That's what we don't know yet. We do know that the idea of a top 10 defense <laughs> is gone. <laughs> and the idea of, you know, uh, we got a bunch of guys scrapping for positions and everything. And then, you know, as soon as they're traded, I wanted to trade this guys on May 1st. You know? right. So, again, I, I, and believe me, I think if he was sitting here with us and whenever we brought so up that's anything a good Houston, question, Dane. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> I, I think he he would in in all honesty push back on any time we brought up Houston stuff. Because I really I really think he has ideas, at least in his own head, and we'll see where they go, that that what he is trying to put in place, whether it be from a front offense, from an X's and O's, from a roster standpoint, is an, another evolution of what Houston was. I don't know what that exactly means, but I think he would take some offense to the idea that he's just copying and pasting what the I would agree with you 100%. And, and for, I guess what I want to say before I go any further is, and I would even say a few, we're both big Gerson Rosas fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what's crazy. I mean, we've been closet ripping them here most of the time we've been on here at least i have been in terms of just mm -hmm. basically saying i don't know how sincere he is i don't know where that you know this or that is uh bold leap or monumental bluff i mean but in terms of what he's put together 
And in terms of the wolves needing an alpha that could be somebody who mm -hmm. will bring everybody along, Tibbs was an alpha, but he did not want to bring anybody along unless he knew him 10 years ago. <laughs> um, he's right for the situation. The reason I agree with you so much about what you just said about Houston is he has an enormous ego. Somebody with an enormous ego takes one to know, and I can relate, but he would never copy mm -hmm. somebody else's stuff. He wants his own thing, and that's why uh, he'll borrow from people, mm -hmm. but he loves the idea of Doing something that's never no, been done. Well, he he with him. The, his idea, and he he said this before, is his idea is to take pieces from all over the place. And he right. often says right. from the European game, from this coach, from right. this organization, and that game. And his idea is making putting this like puzzle together that is the most effective possible way to to create a winner. That's and what that he, was. I mean, you talk about eye opening convos in that presser he said nba is playing a european game now this is mm -hmm. a european game and when he said that yeah i, I mean, mean that's <laughs> yeah that's a that shots fired to a lot of people well i mean but but i think you just see it, it's spread pick and roll right, right like right, th right. that that's I where it, that's just where where it sort of came from i mean and and so that's and small ball and bigs are interchangeable and 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 i think in his head, what I'm assuming is given all the time he's spent overseas right. as a, as a scout and personnel person and his, right. his involvement was very much international as I under, understand it. I bet you he saw this coming. Mm -hmm. I bet you he did right. Th this sort of evolution and that these things would work in the NBA. And, and, and I mean, and if you have that perspective, then cat and Delo make a lot more sense. Exactly. Particularly Delo, actually. Right. Like, I mean, it's funny. I've, I've actually been, because you know, I've, I've become a draft guy now. Right. <laughs> in the absence of basketball. Let's talk. I mean, I've, I've dipped my toe in the water a no, little bit. Well, so so here's the thing: is I've just been watching some of these games, and it's. Uh, you, I mean, you recognize some of the names, but like like Nick Calathis. Remember Nick Calathis? Right. Sure. He's nasty. Like over right. there. No, but, yeah. but it's it's that whole idea where of the of the lead guard is dictates the the entirety of the offense and it's really like I, I would watch in a couple of the other the other teams too where where it's just it's so guard dependent and everyone else around them frees the which success. was real madrid back in the day i mean back when they had rudy fernandez and yep. uh navarro mm -hmm. i mean those guys yeah i mean it, i think that's why those guys have are so often been some of the most popular sort of player i mean remember like tay dosich was this right, whole right, sort right, of right right um, thing, but yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I can't pretend I'm like enough of a historian on, on your. I don't know if anyone is on on European basketball to to under, totally understand the X's and O's and all of it. But bottom of the line, with Gerson Rosas, I think he feels that in a lot of different pockets of basketball, there's additional efficiencies to be grabbed and put together. And his he thinks he knows what those are. And he thinks he has a plan for putting those together. Now, every plan is easier said than done, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't know. I, a lot of the time in, in the NBA and sports, it doesn't work. Right. But I do, I do think highly of Gerson, and that's from, you know, analyzing some of the stuff. But quite frankly, it's you know, it's from 
talking to people. It's from talking to him. Right. And I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And the people he hires. Yeah, yeah. And and I I believe that. You know, he's he's putting forth a, a good plan. Your line, we say this all the time, is that it's you know you basically need to be a god to save the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right. They're just so screwed, like historically. Right. And and I'm I mean that's a whole separate sort of tangent that I'm very interested in is that um, this team is going to need to be more popular, more profitable, a whole bunch of different things for him to fully enact his plan. But I think Gerson for many years has had a plan of this is how you do it. The majority of the other teams are, are missing so many of these obvious steps for effectiveness. Right. And once I get a job, I'm going to do that. And and that's clear. I mean, let's let's get into that a little bit because that was the focus of your questions. Um, they look like it looks like they're going to deny him those opportunities to uh, mess around with extra roster spots or something. And he uh, he really appreciated the question. It was inside inside basketball, and I only recognized about a half of what was talking about. And I bet you most of the other people. I mean, Jason, John, maybe some others, but there's a lot of people that it was just, you know, what the hell are you guys talking about? But essentially what you were saying is getting other teams, non-roster guys toward the end of the year or whatever mm -hmm. for a song and being able to do that is, is one of the great ways you can uh, pan for uh, silver, if not gold, uh, in terms of roster stuff or move your salaries around to help to in other words just do the things on the borders to make your team right. better i think that so i mean and that's it was like the super micro example of the out of the blue the not out of the blue but the, in these weird times the nba has announced we're going to open a transaction window june 22nd right which before in, essentially it's in the middle of the nba season because the right. nba season isn't over so that's like unprecedented obviously i can't I can't go read up on that. <laughs> That's never happened before. Right. So I've just been like, well, what the hell is this going to look like? You right. know? And, and so I've been trying to figure out some stuff on it. And so I'm asking that. And that's a really like small example of, you know, this is one of your areas where you kind of theoretically thrive him and Sasha and, and the whole, you know, that whole right. front right. office. But, but it's also a, a micro question to a, a more macro topic, which is mine that my idea that he has this grand plan of maximizing the team that requires tons and tons of transactions and tons and tons of, you know, these little loopholes to jump through and jump around. And, and what I think I would imagine they're frustrated about is he's like, damn, I had a whole plan of how to do this off season. And now this whole off season is effed like, because who knows what the hell free agency is going to look like? Who knows? The whole plan is based on knowing, knowing what the cap is going to be, knowing what your exceptions are, knowing what all this stuff is, and to take that and stack it on itself in the offseason, at the trade time, in the next offseason, over and over again, where he's like, we are just getting profit every single time there's a transaction window because we do it better. We believe we do it better than anybody else. So I would imagine that they're pretty frustrated about all this. And we can talk about it from a Malik Beasley standpoint, from a Wancho Hernan Gomez standpoint, from a Keelan, down to a Keelan Martin, Jordan McLaughlin standpoint. Like they had a plan, I'm certain. Right. Like in six plans off of that plan. But now you don't know what the salary cap is. You don't even know when the off season really is. Like it's, um, 
it's a wrench. I think it's a wrench in their plan. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's like high leverage enough where it could really mess things up, but well, the salary cap could. Yeah. Cause I mean, let's face it. They were, I mean, there's no way Wancho comes back. I'll just say that right now. I mean, I don't see how. Nah. I don't know. I mean, go ahead. A I, mid-level? I mean. I think less than that. If, unless he's getting paid two or three million, which is, he's a, it's a, a decrease from what he's getting now, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Cause I mean, he's isn't Wancho like in the seven or eight million dollar category now? No, 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 no. He was a four. He, he probably makes like three or four, I think. Okay. Because anyway. he was non-lottery pick, but, but yeah, it, it's it's just the whole idea of right? we know he's under the mid-level line, right? Which is like nine and a half. Yeah. And well, and, and and correct me, is isn't that mid-level line necessarily having to go down? Isn't the mid-level based on the cap? Yeah, that won't be that big though. It's It'll like, be eight instead of nine. No, not even. It'll be like nine point two instead of nine point eight. Okay. It's like a, it'll be if the cap drops by. So eight, it really doesn't matter because no. those guys are those guys anyway. No, it matters more for Malik because Malik is above the mid-level line, right? And and so now he's just getting a deal from a team that has cap space. Right. Well, now less teams are having cap space, so right. there's less money to be offered to right. him. Right. But for Wancho, he's just in this bin that every free agent is. That is going to make nine million or less annually. So, so yeah, more teams can bid on him, which in theory drives his price up from maybe what we think his market value is of three or four annually to maybe seven annually. And just from whatever, talking to you know fans or other media people, and everyone seems to think that's like a terrible idea. I mean, you would hate it if they gave him like 321, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, money is so precious on this roster. Yeah. I mean, you have... First of all, the, the, the question I specifically asked Rosen, Rosas is, are you going to be in the repeater next year? And he went, TBD, TBD. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's basically, you know that, you know, Sasha is not getting any sleep. And uh, essentially what they're trying to do now, and there are probably six or seven ways to do it. Mm -hmm. But then the well, question becomes. He, he basically said there's no way they're going to be. Because because it will kill you. Yeah. Two no, they years won't. down the road. I mean, you they're, double they're, and then is it two and a half or three times? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, yeah. So there, there's there's no way. But here's the thing. What is what he meant by TBD is they're going to still try and find a way to shed 450k off of their salary for this season. I would imagine so. Yes. And there again, it's more complicated because this is a weird well, sort of transaction. 450. I mean, that's that's nothing. Except that it's it's you, you dump Jordan McLaughlin and Keelan Martin and you still don't get no no there. no so so that's this is a good this is a good thing to talk the only way the Wolves do this and I didn't I don't want to like tweet this out because it 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 makes me think I don't like Amari Spellman or Jacob Evans and I'm not that's not what I'm saying I'm talking about because this right. is exactly this is the exact way where I got in trouble with that Gorgie Jang thing. <laughs> I was like talking about literally that. That's keep so funny. Jacob Evans' name out of your mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> literally, that's so funny because that thing is. So Jimmy said, right? I want to. I want to be the highest paid player in the team. Mm -hmm. So I do a little tweet thread of like this for both for Jimmy Butler to be the highest paid player in the team. They would need to shed shed thirty million dollars in right. salaries, right? And obviously, the person who could shed that salary is Gorgie Jake. So I put that in there. I'm trying to be informative, but Twitter is not the place to do right, that because right. the players search their names. Right. So 
whatever, lesson learned. But the, the thing is, for the Wolves to duck the tax this year, as I understand it, to get rid of that 450K, they need to put Amari Spellman or Jacob Evans on waivers. And those players need to be claimed at their current salary, which is both of them basically have the exact same salary. $2 million right. this year, just over $2 million next year. Right. And, and Spellman argue, is the guy. I mean, let's face it. Spellman's, I mean, what worth, you, more, Spellman's worth more than Evans. Well, sure, and probably worth more than $2 million. So, in theory, you put that that's, out there on the waiver wire, somebody snags it, that's right? That's what's going to happen. That, that's, that's what because I'm Because Spellman is a better player than Jacob Evans, but Spellman went crossways with those guys. I don't know how it happened or what happened. I don't know all the details, but I know. It's all about Nas, man. They want it, it, That's what it is. It was all about Nas. They wanted to give Nas the opportunity Spellman. Oh, and Spellman didn't like the fact that Nas got the opportunity. Or, I mean, how about this? I don't what blame if, him. What if Spellman's better than Nas right now? He probably, he probably well, was. He is, but he certainly. So then if Spellman goes, gets in there, Nas is fouling like crazy. Spellman comes in and has a 25-point game in one of those meaningless right. end-of-season no, games. Then it's this whole sort of, you're opening up. A, and they didn't even want Spellman or, it didn't seem at least, that they wanted Spellman or Evans in the first place. They just, that was part of the deal. Right. The, the Warriors well, threw in Spellman and, and Evans to get under the tax themselves. Well, and this is just me. And, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, it isn't based on a tremendous amount of research. But I saw Spellman live against the Wolves twice. I think it was at least twice. Maybe it was yeah. on TV once. But, I mean, no, two, and, I, two and, I, and, and so I consequently went and I searched him out for maybe 10 games. Let's face it, he never played a lot of minutes. Some game, he did get like 16 to 20 minutes some mm-hmm. nights, and those were the ones I looked at. I see a lot there. I mean, I think he's I think he's got the potential to be an NBA rotation guy. Yeah. Um, I don't see that for Evans. Sure. And, and so if you you know, but so then that's the opportunity cost. So let's say they even do see that in Spellman, okay. which I don't even know. All so right. so basically they're sacrificing the idea of this maybe rotation player right. to get under the tax for this year, right. which would make sense. I would approve Make of total sense because they can't because then they could go into the tax next because year. Because if you're if you're sixteen million, let's say you're eight million dollars over mm-hmm. the tax next year, and you have a repeater, it costs you sixteen million dollars. Yeah, or you double it. Don't yeah, you? yeah. It's I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's something. I think the repeater tax and, is double, or maybe it's no, no, no. It is. It's more than double. It's like two point seven five or something. It depends. It depends how many million you're over and all yeah. this stuff. So it's okay. complicated. But, but. The thing is, is what people say too, gets underplayed, is it's like, not only do you have to pay the, the, the penalty, you don't, you're not part of the disbursement right. of the other teams who are paying out. That's where the, that's the money what, goes. And Glenn Taylor was responsible for that whole dispersion plan. <laughs> yeah, it would exactly. be a real bitter pill. And it already is kind of a bitter pill for yeah. him because, you know, all for the sake of Evan Turner. Mr. No, you know, no, 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 no. No, I know. But it I was mean, just... Evan Turner was the, the, the guy that they thought would get bought out. Yeah, that got effed up. Something happened there. Right. Like, but... But that you heard from every, you know, on the down low from, yeah. you know, they'll lose Evan Turner. And when yeah. they lose Evan Turner, everything will be fine. fine. Yeah. Evan Turner never got lost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or nobody... He I never mean, was with the team, but no, he but never I, got lost. I think... And this is back to my point of the transaction. I know why I asked it in the first place. It's because I think they had a plan. Right. To, exactly. to do something with Spellman or Evans. And then it was going to literally come at the very end of the year. Like the Heat and Clippers did the same thing last year. Like the Heat waved Rodney Magruder or the Clippers right, right. picked him up. And there's all these wink, wink, like, hey, you know, 
pick them up. You got space under your cap or your line or whatever. Do right. it. We'll hook you up in the future. Like there, something like that I think was going to happen, but then this messed it all up. So they kind of need that to happen. It just in general to be under, under the tax would be good just from right. a financial right. standpoint, particularly now that a couple million dollars difference would matter. Um, but also for the idea that they could possibly be in the tax next year. Right. Which That's would surprise me. I, I mean... They will be in the tax next year. Uh, I'll bet you right now. Well, it depends what the cap... We don't know. We don't know like don't what know. the cap is or anything. We know the cap's going to be less. We know that Rosas does not like the roster and its status <laughs> quo. I mean, we do know yeah, that, no. don't we? Yeah. All right, then. So, I'm just I mean, saying how, it's how, rare to put teams... It's very rare that teams are in the tax period. And it's very rare the team's out of the playoffs. The <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Do you think I, that, uh, okay, this is a total pivot, but kind of related. Do you think the Wolves will make the playoffs next year? No. Yeah. I think they think that, though. I think they, I think in his heart of hearts, if that. you basically put a gun to Rosas's head and said, are you going to make the playoffs next year? He would say, let's have a talk about something else that you need this gun to my head. Because <laughs> I don't want to say we won't. But I do not want to say we will. Right, right. Um, I've always said, too, that it's two years. It's two years of this window they're in right now. And then 2021 is go time. Look, there... So that, I, that, to that point, I'm saying I don't think the plan there is... There are... There is certainly a path for it. But it requires... It requires that you have your two leading players change their identity in some ways. I mean... Yeah, uh, but... Nikola Jokic, his rookie year, first two, three years. Well, his first year as a starter, once he beat out Nurkic and all that other stuff and, and got really established. Mm -hmm. The year they lost to the Wolves in the last game, then the next year after that, which was two years ago now, yeah. he became a better defender. The idea of Jokic being a terrible defender went away. He's not a great defender, but he's reliably mediocre. He is. Oh, I mean, if Cat they also changed, but that's loaded too. They, there's a lot where I think exactly. you and I have probably talked about this before too. Exactly. They got Paul Millsap and they, and Mike Malone went to Jokic and said, how do you want us to defend with you? Knowing that he was the one there. And I remember I asked Ryan about that when I was in Denver for the game earlier this year, and he wasn't really having it. But that's the question, right? Like, that, that, like they got to right. figure it out. That so there you go. Do, can you trust Cat's self-awareness to know how he will be best? I don't know. But what I do know, what I do know is that if Cat and D'Lo are not reliably mediocre defenders, mm -hmm. this team... Even the Grand Rosas rebuild will run into an obstacle that requires a trade, an enormous calibration, if not a trade. Right? Yeah, I just and think so. That that's it. I mean, so when you ask me, will this team make the playoffs? If they're contending for the playoffs this next year, it means that the defense has gotten better. Mm -hmm. If the defense has gotten better. It means that the guys who are going to be playing monster minutes on this team, or at least, you know, under the current, you know, like 30 or 35 minutes a game, 
are going to be playing defense that is reliably close to mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a Rocco. They don't have a Gorgie. They don't have a guy who you say, there's a guy. He'll lock people up on defense. Okogie is the closest we have to it. Well, I think oh, that's the question. Get there. I think that's the question is, so in the grand plan, those players are coming. Do you see a route to getting another one of those guys this summer? Yes. And I think it will be a Rosas special. I think it'll be a guy. I mean, I, I pulled this name out of my hat because I like John Hollinger. But Paul Reed, he says Paul Reed has the potential to be mm-hmm. like, a, you know, somebody like that who will be the Nas Reed, only Nas Reed, instead of being a, incredibly gifted offensively, will be this guy totally under the radar, incredibly gifted defensively. Or it'll be a guy like uh, Vassal or whatever, a guy from Devin Florida Vassal. State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who has that potential? But, but I mean, do we I, are we getting that? But next year, those guys are going to come in and be good next year. Period. Yes. Not to mention on defense. I mean, how rare is it? Thiebault. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Thiebault. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's no reason why not. If that's Man, what you how prioritize, many, how many good defensive players are are who are good defensive rookies on? I don't even know what the answer to this. I'm just thinking uh-huh. it out loud. Right. Like, if we look at the top 30 picks yes. on the average draft, yes. how many of them come in and are a rotation player who's good at defense as a rookie? Two? I don't know. But if Rosas can't identify one, that's a problem. And they got three bites at the apple, too. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's... So, so. And, and, and if, if you can get... Um, also, if you get the system fit and you tell the guy what to do... Um, I, 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 we had this conversation last podcast. I don't think Culver and Okogie can play 20 minutes together on the floor. Um, Me neither. Uh, so I think you need somebody, unless Culver becomes a much better defensive player. I'm not talking about offensive player. I mean somebody who you basically say, all right, they'll play go-go. The thing that Okogie does that Culver is not able to do on defense, I mean, you mentioned the wingspan and guarding more positions. The thing that pops out to me is disrupting. Culver can be a guy who who makes uh, Culver's hands, man. Culver's hands, but Culver and Okogi is is disruption, like in Culver in lanes. Will make your opposing field goal percentage go down. Mm-hmm. Okogi will make your transition points versus the opposition go up. There is a difference in value between those two things. If you get a steal and are able to turn things around versus you're able to defend the guy a little bit better than the next guy and make a tougher shot that lowers the percentage, I think that's Culver's value. Okogie's value is fucking you up. Mm -hmm. I just just watched a bunch of Trey Jones, Tyus' brother, film for the the pod I did on on Wednesday, and he he is that with Okogie. He's a disruptor? Yeah, and, and the quick turn into offense. However you just phrase that, I like right, that. Right. Turning it into transition points offensively. Right. Um, he, he's really interesting in that way. Worse, he's got a worse shot than Tyus, which is bad because Tyus isn't that much of a shooter. Yeah. Um, but but he, might be, he might be the best point guard defender in the draft. Ooh, Trey. Interesting. Like, like, what about the kid from Alabama? I don't think he – well, I, haven't, I, I shouldn't talk about him that much. Kira Lewis. Yeah, I don't – I mean – I think his his intrigue is more offensive. 
a lot a lot of the point guard guys are are more offensively inclined and Trey is Trey will be a defensive weapon right. in the league I think um, do you think they're going to resign McLaughlin um, because if they are then I don't think we need to even talk about point guard so so people will well, d- listening to this will disagree with this, but I, I remember I was talking to Krasinski about this beginning of the year. Um, once we start, as as we, we kept being like to each other, we're like, man, when are these 45 days going to be up? Like with Keelan and the right, right. playing. And I was like, I think that it doesn't matter once those guys 45 days are up, they're out. And I just think that's like the idea that that's where the churn comes in. And that granted, that's me looking at the Houston thing, but that that's Houston. That was uh-huh. Houston 101 was just churn, churn, churn. And with Keelan, like I thought then they just put Keelan down in the G league for the rest of the year, like take his medicine. And then they have his restricted rights for the offseason, you know, and McLaughlin too. I don't think, I think they really like McLaughlin and Martin as people. And I think they are like actually very valuable right. locker room pieces, but once they really just get into objectivity, I don't think Jordan McLaughlin is. They're putting that much. Thought See, I think Jordan McLaughlin. You need to pay him between one and two million dollars for three years. Yeah, and if you do, you have a, a I think a really good backup point guard. I mean. I've made culpa on McLaughlin. I mean, I've made fun of McLaughlin for most of the first half of the season mm-hmm. until he made me look bad over and over again. Uh, I actually really like him as a backup point guard. I think he is... What if you're... T- okay, here... He hold. is a better Tyus Jones. No, 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 no. Yes, he no. is. Jordan McLaughlin? Yes. No, no, no. Okay, so so let's do this. Okay. So let's do this. Let's uh, let's say the Wolves are the eighth seed in the, play- eighth oh. seed in the playoffs okay. next year. Can Jordan McLaughlin be your D'Angelo Russell's backup point guard? Yes. I don't think so. He who's he gonna he the t, in a playoff series that is going to be attacked. He's going to be attacked on defense or on offense. Both. If they attack him on defense, I think he's smart enough. He does what Tyus does in many respects. Tyus is better at anticipating yeah, lanes. That's what I was going to say. But I think McLaughlin is as good an on-ball defender, even though he's smaller. Than Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones is is iffy on ball defense. He's really good at playing next to high caliber people. Mm-hmm. McLaughlin is really good at accounting for himself. And sure. I think on offense, he's sneaky at getting to the rim. He's got a much better shot than Tyus. Um, mm, much? I don't know about much. Look at his numbers. Yeah, but Britt, we're talking we're talking about he played for the the G League version of the Wolves, the Timberwolves. This team this year was bad. He played on terrible team. I liked what I saw from Jordan McLaughlin. I'm not trying to rip on him. I'm just saying Jordan McLaughlin is the type of player that the worse quality of the NBA team is, the better he looks. Tyus Jones is the type of NBA player where the better the NBA team is, the better he looks. His surrounding teammates. All I will tell you is if they pay Jordan McLaughlin $2 million for three mm-hmm. years, two for six or whatever. It's a good way to save money. I like that part of it. He will be a solid backup point guard. And if they're the eighth seed, he will perform in a manner. First of all, his his decision-making is aces. His shot selection is aces. Um, 
I think the only thing I worry about him on, frankly, is isolation, bullying, and I mean, shit, man, pick your pick your way. You want to kill the wolves on defense? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it isn't like uh, he yeah. isn't even the biggest seed, you know? No, I, 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 I think he's. So, so I got no problem with them throwing a three-year deal at two million a year, whatever, at the minimum to him. Maybe okay. with some non-guarantees and, and I stuff, think but he'll that's take for a third it. point guard. Yeah, I think he would too. No, but, I don't think he should be. I think he should be this two-point guard. Second well, that's point. that's I'm saying that's where we disagree. Okay, I. Think, so who is you? You want another guy? You want a guy in the draft? Yeah, I, I want. Or do you want some somebody who uh, you know was a Gupta special from someplace? Or just yeah, or a, a another. Who who do you see out there on the fringe? I like the idea of a a lead guard who can play alongside D'Angelo Russell too. In like where he's he kind of leads the second unit when Russell's out, but they can also play a lot too. Which to McLaughlin's credit, he did well. But I would say fake games. I don't think you necessarily I think you could do that to a small extent with Beasley. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I mean, true. Beasley has a he doesn't have a great handle and he certainly doesn't have great court vision, but he can execute an offense. I mean, Houston ran all kinds of wingy kind of, I mean, Houston never really had a point guard point guard. Right. Uh so and Beasley fit well in that. If your idea is to get McLaughlin off the ball, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Elo off the ball. Yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. You can do that just running that high post cat stuff that they ran in the first two months. Sure. I'm, I guess I'm trying in to In fact, I kind of really like the idea of reverse posting there. I mean, basically you put cat mm-hmm. top of the key. The five out, right? Five out, but also maybe five out, but D'Lo s- sneaks in. And I think D'Lo can be a, a good post up. Lead guard. Posting up. Hmm. He's got I, a great floater already. I mean, the, the question is, will he take the contact? Right. That is the, that is the big question with him. I don't, I don't have a off the top of my head, whether it's in the draft or like a, a fringe free agent right. where the mining Gupta special, whatever you want to call it, right. sort of thing it would happen. Um, I mean, the name I've brought up before, is way more higher profile, is like a Karis Levert. Yeah, I know. What, but you I know, mean, which that, is very then, different. Then, if you get Karis Levert, then you might as well kiss uh, Malik Beasley goodbye. I Why? Think. Why can't the three of them play together? Because you, 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 do you doubt the repeater tax now? I mean, come on. No, my point. Well, okay. So do the Karis Levert thing. I mean, you're trading James Johnson. Okay. That's the trade. Well, then there's no salary difference. And. Why would the Nets do that? You're gonna well, you're giving them the one of the picks. No, it's obviously not just for James Johnson. So this is what I, I this right, is this right. is what so I've been dreaming of. Okay, so let me let me let me. This here is we go. Very loosely dreamed out, but right. so there's obviously been this random buzz about Bradley Beal to Brooklyn, right? Yes. So I'm thinking the Wolves get in on that as the third team, right? Because I think the major chip that Brooklyn is trading to get Beal is Dinwiddie. Lavert has to go out. I think Levert is the one. But so then the Wolves, Washington obviously is going to need a lot back. So then the Wolves are now including maybe LaMelo Ball, their top pick. 
And it, it, this is this is some sort of package, and I know maybe that the right. third pick doesn't equal Karis LeVert, but something like that where that's the the main piece leaving Washington is Beal, the main piece leaving Brooklyn is LeVert, and the main piece leaving the Wolves is their top pick. And how um, and their top pick and James Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. obviously a lot more is going to have to go into this deal. Like why would Washington maybe. would need a lot more? They would need picks from Brooklyn. They would need other pieces from Brooklyn. And maybe, the, maybe, maybe uh, let's say they get three. Mm-hmm. Three, 33, and James Johnson. Sure. And I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that would be— Because 33 is valuable. Wouldn't you—okay, so put yourself in Brooklyn shoes. I'd do that in a second. Uh, right? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends. Washington gets all of that, though, right? They don't get well, any. Yeah, of it. I guess just from a value standpoint. Yeah. But I mean, what I will say is, woo, uh, <laughs> three $40 million guys? Wait, wait. Oh, for the Nets? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, I mean, they're wow. going to they're gonna have to clear, uh, I mean, Joe Harris then walks probably in, in the office. There we go. I mean, if Joe Harris yeah, you, is that's in play. Your point. Yeah, that's your point. Well, no, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously a lot would. And would Spencer need, Dinwiddie, I mean, if they're yeah. throwing out assets, Brooklyn has some interesting assets. At all of whom, all of whom will wind up in Washington. No, right? Well, all of whom Russell's played with before. Right, As I've right. said, there, and there's played a couple. Well, right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, that needs a whole that, lot more work. That would be fun. Now, our friend Andy Grimsrud would just be, if he was at the table right now, he'd be saying, Why yeah, aren't we making a play for Bradley? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and obviously, Washington's going to need a, a lot more than just. How old is LeVert again? Is he 28? No, or is he he's, like, he's like 25. Okay, right in there then. He's in the timeline. Yep, he is in the timeline. And I know you've, you've had a long torch for Karis LeVert. Well, uh, how do you think he played this year? Um, it seemed like he, to me, it looked, seemed he like he was just a step behind the year before. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a weird year for Brooklyn. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, and, and if I'm being honest, it's, it's a while since I've watched Brooklyn. Well, and also, um, yeah, let's face it, that's true. And also when... Uh, they played better without Kyrie than they did with Kyrie, which is right. always a, a problem. Well, they were a whole shit show. I mean, and Kenny Atkinson it, is gone now, so we don't have any idea really what's going to happen. There. Right. And <laughs> I brought up, I bring up Karis LeVert when I've written it or in now too, as this idea of an archetype of player who can go next. Right. And what I deal. will argue is that Karis LeVert would be dying to leave Brooklyn if he sees Beal. Irving and KD. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, there is no room. There is yeah. zero room for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I mean, yeah, and who knows about the whole. By the way, Kyrie Irving and KD in and of themselves, you know, a couple of enigmas, and then you throw in um, Bradley Beal, who's just got to be saying, when can I catch a break? You remember, you know, when, remember when can 12 I be months with... ago how fun that Brooklyn team was? Remember that Brooklyn yeah. Sixers series? That I was awesome. Yeah. Jerry Dudley's Fighting Ben Simmons, like, I, you know, D'Lo was fun on that team. That well, that first bench. game where they shocked him. I, I mean, know. You know, so awesome. I, I am thinking they have they have lost all their fun. Factor. And meanwhile, the Knicks are going to hire Tibbs over Kenny Atkins. <laughs> I mean, it, it, unbelievable! Uh, it's unbelievable. <sighs> Tibbs, man. I, I, at least him and Taj will be reunited. <laughs> Oh, all right. But that, you know, that will be... I, I, I actually think that um, if you are on the anti-Ryan Saunders bandwagon, 
Kenny you, Atkinson. You should be banging the drum for Kenny Atkinson because the only way that you make any traction, I am resigned to the idea that Rosas really likes, they are a package right now. Ryan has made himself oh, yeah. into whatever you want, I will give you. It's, I mean, and obviously people are going to talk about it, but there's, there's no point right now talking about different coach questions for the Wolves right. because it's not going to happen. Right. That's right. I mean, we could talk about who might be a good coach to be a, a you know, a fit, but it's, I mean, it's as silly of a conversation as like, well, would LeBron or KD fit better on the Wolves? Like, you know, it, they're just, right. they're just things that just aren't going to happen. Because Rosas treasures not only the loyalty, but this, the, the pure execution of what he's trying to do. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't think either of us think Ryan is locked up long, long into the future. And I don't right, think, you right, know, right. I, I don't think Ryan would say that either. Right. Like this, this year is this coming year is going to determine Ryan's fate. And, and I don't, I mean, I, I think that's where like the coaching assessment process in Rosa's eyes begins this past year that the test for Ryan was, Will you stick to the system come hell or high water? Will, yes. Ryan said, how do we work show together? me how high that water is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? I, I think, yeah, I think, and I think Ryan did that. So, so that's... By all means. And Ryan has demonstrated where his heart is. The other thing I will say in favor of Ryan, I mean, aside from the fact that I think he's a first-class human being, yeah. people within the organization love him. I mean, you, you don't hear a discouraging word about Ryan Saunders from anybody. Vanterpool, when I did that story, if anybody is ready to stick right. the long knife in him, you would think it would be Vanterpool. Vanterpool was totally sincere. Yeah. He said, I have nothing but love and respect for that guy. And Ryan, who you would think would be worried about a knife coming from someplace like Vanterpool, <laughs> I asked the point blank, are you concerned? Vanterpool would never do that. He is, mm. you know, he's my guy. We are together on this. Um, and I think under the circumstances, not only having a guy who, if you say jump, he says how high, but also has just an anodyne, good vibes, mm -hmm. aura. Ryan gets two years of this. I agree 100%. And I'm not even sure that... Um, it's the window thing, Britt. I mean... If, if, if Gerson will get rid of Ryan if he feels like it's time for serious business and he needs somebody who um, is not as... Yeah. Inexperienced, and that's the reality of the business. If the yes. team is in the place there, and that right. I, again, I already said this on this podcast. I've said it a hundred times before. I think Rosas came in and said, the twenty twenty season and the twenty, or the twenty nineteen season, and the twenty twenty season. Those are that is the first window. We are getting everything in place. That is Ryan is there. We're moving all these pieces around. Hopefully, we have enough of these transaction periods to get to a point where we're on the precipice of something. Right. And then 2021, when all these 
stud free agents are out there and there's going to be a crazy movement off season. We are going to be there with a net open waiting for the James Harden of Oklahoma city from eight years ago to plop into our net. And obviously we're going to have to you know pay the price for it, but make that trans transaction there. And we get stud player X to go alongside or in place of cat and deal something like that, where they're all in, in 2021. And I think at that point is if that happens, then the serious assessment of how does Ryan fit that group? And group does that's stud player X, who does stud player X want? That yeah. may be part of it. Right. Well, exactly. Cause I don't know. I think I was reading on the athletic or, or no. Yeah. Was Shams was talking about it. I mean, KD just pushed out Atkinson. That's what it was. Yeah. Like, so, so that's the, that's the, the guy just really knows how to polish his image, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, did you read Ethan's book? I haven't. Have you read it? Oh yeah, that's dipped in poison when it comes to KD. Oh really? Yeah. I gotta. Yeah, I gotta get that. Um, you've already read. I guess that came out a while ago. Yeah, I you know I got it off Amazon. It's about two hundred and forty pages. It's right. not long. Right, right. Um, and and we're talking about Ethan Strauss's book. Winning. What is it again? The Winning. Victory Machine. Victory I think it's machine. called. Yeah. Right. And. Um, Tipped in poison. <laughs> oh, I mean, Kevin Durant is the central figure in the book. There's no doubt about it. Well, well it's a fascinating, uh, it's an evisceration. Uh, <laughs> I think, I, 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 I happen to think that I, I've always, I've always admired Ethan's uh, writing and his, his mind. I think he's well connected. I think that like any one of us, his best sources are the ones who his mind aligns with. Mm. I think that he probably is really tight with Steve. I mean, I know he's tight with Steve Kerr, but I think he's tight enough with Steve Kerr that he gets a lot of science and sourcing from mm -hmm. Steve Kerr. Um, and I, you know, he, and he mentions a couple of things about, you know, well, and Katie, when he was in the middle of the KD hurricane. Well, Katie, yeah. Katie threw stones at him. Like, well, no, I threw stones at him. But I mean, there's a piece in the book where, Andre Iguodala pulls him into the players only room and basically says, look, pull Strauss into the room. Yeah. Just <laughs> apologize to the guy. And he says, I have nothing to apologize to him. About. And, and uh, Iggy says, so, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, oh, man. I mean, it, it's a, it's an interesting, there's tales of intrigue and, but I mean, there's, it's what not, a, what a different reporter existence on the Warriors beat than the Wolves beat. <laughs> Well, and also, I mean, what he does say, and I, one of the things I will say about Strauss is that he was on to the sneaker game as a greater allegiance. Mm. That is an interesting angle uh, that I don't know if I buy it 100%, but he's made me buy it 50%. You're with your sneaker company for a longer period of time for more money than you are for any NBA team. Right. And, and he makes a pretty convincing case for that. Both in that article he wrote. I so think it was so what is athletic. he saying? So he's saying that KD. He's saying that one of the things is that uh, one of the things that has motivated KD is that LeBron has always been Nike's top guy. Hmm. And the idea that he will never be Nike's top guy drives him with a fury. Uh, this is obviously subjective, but also I feel like KD's shoes are more people think are cooler 
they they may be. I think what the question well, LeBron, is, but it doesn't matter because it's LeBron. Who is yeah. you know who gets to say what within that organization? It's it's uh, like being a member of a team. It's just a different team. It's a sneaker team rather than an NBA team. Right, right, right. Who's the alpha? So he just doesn't like being number two. Period. Exactly. It's competitive. Right. And you said you know before it's like you, if you're a competitive person or right, and then you it. throw them together with Kyrie. If you bring in Bradley Beal, that whole mess. <laughs> so Karis Levert, I was like, how do we get here? Yeah, like, Karis Levert. Here you go. Yeah, that Karis was... Levert will come running. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, all those guys who, right. who were on that like 42 win uh, Nets team, yeah. you know, that was supposed to win 28 or something. And yeah. they basically, you know, they bought in, they played great, they synergized. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and this is, I mean, I, I don't know how long, you know, I know we got to wrap this up soon, but. Uh, essentially, what is fascinating is Rosas has made no bones about the idea that he's not here to be the next Flip Saunders taking his team to the playoffs six straight years, all first-round defeats until 03. He's here for the ring. He's here for the big one. And that's where... There's some real instructional, you know, like the Sixers right now, the Nets right now, teams that um, sniff it but know they don't have it yet. How do you get it? You know, I mean, when you're Mm. that close, the Clippers may face that quandary at the end of this year. Um, The Lakers are obviously all in anyway, so, but I I guess what I'm saying. He wants to be Masai Ujiri, right? Masai Ujiri. Yeah. Where oh, he, yeah. Without a doubt. Without where, a doubt. Where now, he, Masai Ujiri, on the other hand, I mean, that is uh, what's incredible about that is. Well, that's exactly. That's Nick what my Nurse point is, and is that's what Pascal Siakam. I mean, Jesus. Well, that's what you just made my point. That's what he wants is when you bring up the name Gershon Rosas, he wants the person to respond to the question and say, well, that's just incredible. X, Y, and Z. These are all the things he did. Right, that's right. what I'm saying. And, yes, yes. And those that whatever that synergizes okay, with but wanting that to win a championship. Uh, that's almost the opposite of get as many stars as you can. Yeah, I, I guess I was more focusing on the incredible. <laughs> no, I know. But I mean, if Rosas, we just got through talking about how he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who will put together a B plus slash A minus team and let them percolate into A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants A, A plus, and let's hope that they can. You're, I get what you're saying. Masai and, and that's wasn't not doing the it. Raptors. I mean, Ber- that's the yeah. thing about Nick Nurse. Yeah, they were a percolation team for sure. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, he must and they say. are still a percolation team. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody who's not a Raptors fan is not an NBA fan. I love that team. I... And they're gonna lose Van Vliet. Yeah, that'll be whoever gets Van Vliet. That's gonna be kind of fascinating because he's not. Such a high-profile high guy. He may be a guy, though, that deserves max money just for the kind of seasoning. He could be like the Cayente, you know? He could be the Cayenne Pepper. He could be the thing that makes... Who? What team would you like to see him on? Oh, I don't know. Maybe OKC. Hmm. You know, I they got a million OKC. guards, but... Uh, well, that team's just constantly in flux. Right. Yeah, they literally have no wings. That's their problem. Right. I know. Yeah, so, this, is, this is totally random. <laughs> right. We will, we'll wrap up soon. But Andre Roberson might be back for the playoffs. 
Who? Andre Roberson. Remember him? Yes. <laughs> but I read, I mean, believe me, he was one of my favorite players, but yeah. defense only, of course. I figured. <laughs> but, um, and so I've looked him up. I think he's toast. Everybody says he's toast. If you look him no, up. This is a, a, so he, he's coming back for the playoffs. Yeah, like he's, but you know. He's, well, okay, he's like practicing with the guy. Like he's actually playing scrimmages and stuff now. Okay, well, that'll be fascinating. You know they have this, the Thunder have the second best record in the NBA since the All-Star break? Yes. That team's legit. They are a lot of fun. Well, I mean, they're, they're legit in the way that the Raptors are. They're the Raptors, right? Like they're the Western Conference Raptors where they have no chance of actually winning the championship. Right, right. But they're kind of funky and fun and Right, well, and also, true. I mean, Chris Paul... It's an object lesson. Chris Paul's reputation took a hit in Houston. Mm -hmm. He's been like on four or five franchises now. Yeah. The one place his reputation took a hit was Houston. Uh, I think he took a pretty big hit in L.A. for being an asshole and everyone hating him on the team. Well, I, I don't, he's, he's got no shortage of reputation hits. That's just the latest. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the D'Angelo, I mean, the Jordan, uh, Blake, Chris Paul thing is as good as you can run, you know, lob and roll game. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think that, uh, yes, he's always been an asshole. Well, those guys say that the reason that broke up it was because personalities didn't work, mostly CP and Blake. Blake. Yeah. yeah, well, and they are... But let's face it, Blake got hurt all the time. It's good for a while. Yes, but I mean, that, mm -hmm. that my point is, David West and Blake Griffin, if you're a power forward, if you don't want Chris Paul on your team, I mean, my <laughs> God. <laughs> right, 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 he right. makes power forwards, you know, shine. And yeah. uh, he, is, he is the most forward-looking. He's like Ricky Rubio, only with a monster offensive game of his own. Mm -hmm. But Rubio is always looking in the half court. He's never looking for the side pass. Chris Paul is never looking for the side pass. Right. Chris Paul is always looking to see what's happening down on the baseline or who's posting up in the corner. And even if he doesn't go there, he leverages that focus to sure. pass at the right place. I mean, I just, I've always liked this game. I get that he's a jerk. Um, I like it. I, I... But I think that. There's, I mean, you want to talk about unconventional. <laughs> the idea that they already have, I mean, in order to get a Van Vliet, maybe you sign and trade and you give them Schroeder and you give them, uh, you something know, like uh, Dick Gallinari or something. But, mm -hmm. um, but I love the idea of uh, Chris Paul and Fred Van Vliet in the same backcourt. I think Chris Paul would love that too. Well, Shea. What about Shea? I know. I put it's Shea at the three. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that they talk about I mean, about if you're going to get screwy, you know, run a 1-4 with Adams and everyone else just screwing around. Because right. Adams is a monster, off the best offensive rebound in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Sure. Boy, just a perfect I, just, I, I would body. love to see. I mean, I, I still think it's a 50-50 chance they have an NBA season. But if they do. You do. Yeah. I think the players are. I mm. think this is all this is for real. I think, first of all. I think there's a there's an outside chance. I think there's a 33% chance that somebody really important gets COVID. And I think there's like a 2% chance that somebody, whether or not they're a good player or not, maybe they're just a practice player, somebody dies. Or maybe it's 
an assistant coach, or maybe. But I think there's going to be a death, and an I NBA. think it's it's going to be an NBA related death, and I think that's going to everybody's going to go whoa. Well, that's you know not to, to get too big picture or away from basketball, but that just as COVID, that's what I've been kind of thinking about the whole time, particularly as time goes on and we do see, I see the people in my life, you know, getting more relaxed about it. Exactly. And the fear I've always had is that for us to really take it seriously ever. And I've thought this months ago, you need the someone to die right near you, like an aunt or God forbid, you know, bid a brother or sister or wife. Exactly. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't experienced, I don't think Minnesota has been relatively, you know, right. Unhit 1100 by deaths or 1200 or something. Yeah. Right. Which is still a crazy right. amount. Oh, yeah. But no, but I, I do think, I think, I think this is the first time I've been in a room with somebody who yeah. is not a family And we should member. say we are sitting very far away from each other right. with masks with on. Masks on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, I am, I am ultra conservative. I mean, not to get too far in that, we're probably two hours into this thing already. Yeah, but, that's all right. It's the summer. But the point is, nothing I would have wanted to do more than be a part of those protests. Mm-hmm. Um, it just killed me. And, and not to be some kind of hero. I just wanted to be out there for my own satisfaction, saying the same things that everyone else is saying. Say his name. Mm-hmm. Just pay my respects. Add a body. Yep. I would have gone home when, when the burning started. But I would have been there for a lot of that stuff, and I would, it would have meant a lot to me um, to, to be able to say, because this is a watershed moment, I think. Um, the fact that I can't do that is because I love my 73-year-old wife, and I love my son, who's got lung complications from premature birth. Um, and at this point in time, in for a penny, in for a pound. I mean, it would right. be so stupid. And that's the thing that also drives me crazy is Minnesotans are fair. And so, I mean, the thing I always loved about Minnesota passive aggressiveness is that it's fair. And the fairness here is, okay, we were really, really good for two months. It, we deserve not to have to be good now. <laughs> we deserve to be able to go to the lake. And I think that that attitude was spiked a little bit by the protests. You know, you don't immediately die after you do this. But I do think the numbers will go up. I think the numbers are going to go up in Orlando. I mean, Florida in and of itself is going to be a petri dish the way they've dealt with everything. Disney World, for God's sake. I mean, with all these people kicking around. And like I said, I don't think it'll be a star. I don't even necessarily know if it'll be like a oh, rotation well, if it's player. just an assistant coach who dies, who's 70. Exactly. Or whatever. And I, and I, I think, think that, I, I don't think that that is at all beyond the realm of possibility. And then what do you do? Do you keep playing? See, that's it. Let's say that it happens um, in the middle of the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are at stake. And let's say it happens to a team that is in the playoffs. But I think they've made it clear that the answer to the question is yes. They keep playing if someone gets sick and they keep playing if someone dies. Okay. And, and what and, I and, say, and, and I'm not saying that's, I'm not justifying no, 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 that or anything. I'm just that saying does, that has been signaled. Okay. Well, there you go. So um, I think 
that I, don't, I, I think that to say that is one thing. To do it is another. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I, I, I guess, don't know either, and, man. and I'm biased. I mean, like I just got through saying, I'm ultra conservative about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that. Yeah, I, I mean. In October, man, October gives you, think of everything we've just got through doing. Yeah. And, and October, we'll know. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think that um, we are, it is my opinion that it is more dangerous to walk around without a mask and to not socially distance now than it was in February and mid-March. Well, so, so yeah, I, that, and this is a super, like, me-specific example, but I think a lot of people are probably having this, is, particularly Minnesotans listening to this, Fourth of July is coming up, right? And people want to go to their family cabins for that. Right. And I, and I don't have, my family is in, in Illinois, but they have a lake house there. Right. And, you know, in March when this whole hit, came, basically just kind of like the group message or whatever, people right. are like, ah, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. And now phases have happened in Illinois is uh, maybe like a phase ahead of Minnesota. And, and, and we're at this point where it's happening. Like it's my, my family's doing it. And, you know, I don't, it, I, I don't think I can, you know, tell people don't or do or do exactly. not do it. But, but the point I just want to get across to them or just in general is, all right, if we were acknowledging the risk being, X in March. And because of that, we shuttered ourselves in our homes for a month or two months or whatever it was like the, the, that X it's more now the risk is, 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 or is, is what it was before. So right. I don't know. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing because I, if I'm, you know, and it's a person to person thing, it is different for you than it is for me just in the, right. you know, I, I live by myself uh, and I, I have, I have a, a dad with, you know, with some underlying health conditions right. like your, your son or your wife. And so that's there, but I don't live with my dad, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's just a very, it is, it's, it's a very a, complicated, it's a, it's a crazy deal. Yeah. And so you throw, but let's call it what it is. Let's, let's, let's not say that it's gone. It, like the risk is, there is still a risk here. Huge risk. Yeah. And also deadly risk for a lot of, I mean, even if I had a chance to go cover that stuff, I would not, you know? I mean, I'm legitimately hoping, it's just a hope, that I'll be able to cover the draft at a socially distant level, at a team level rather than a video level, when it happens at the end of October. You know, I'm... You know? I mean, so... I don't know. And I that's, mean... you know, that's... Uh, Three, probably three, not, Britt. That's probably four, not. That's four and a half months from now. If if your perspective, and I'm not right. you know, bagging on it, if it's in for a penny, in for a pound, right? probably not. Exactly. In October when the draft happens, you're probably not going to come to the facility. I, I, I think that's entirely possible unless I do have faith in the idea that the Wolves, you yeah. know, Robbie Seek and these guys, they may have a way to socially distance us mm-hmm. and to have things in place. I mean, they, they, you know, that's another reason why I think Rosas is so good. Is Sika was way ahead of this, you know. Yeah, he was. You know, and so. Um, my, my concern is in the next season. 
Let's yeah. even call oh, it, yeah. let's call it, let's get super optimistic with the vaccine and say we have one start of 2021. Right. Even then, I'm selfishly concerned about what media access looks like. Without a doubt. You know? And, yeah. And that for, for you or for I, right. who are, you know, forging careers. We're not here. going to work unless the games are prominent in people's lives. Mm -hmm. You and I do not have the capacity <laughs> to work as, I mean, first of all, we don't have existing salaries. <laughs> and True. secondly, um, the people, the organizations that would normally pay us have no incentive to add staff because there is not enough going on. Yeah. So, I mean, that's life. You know, that's the way it is. It's, so, I mean, it's easier for somebody 67 to say that than somebody 30. Well, but it's even, it's hard. It's going to be hard. My point is, it's even get past that. It's going to be able, it's going to be hard to prove our worth once we're back because we're no longer going to have the access. I doubt we're in the locker room after games anymore. Or before the games, when we're in there hanging out with the guys. Or I'm arrogant them. enough to think that we can both prove our worth as long as they show the games. I, yes, I, I do too. But but that but that is a specific and that which you know that's what we get with the credential. And I'm like right. thankful no, I get for it. that. I get it. And that's, yeah. that's unique. Where you know, like right now, what you and I are doing is generally we're quote unquote covering the Timberwolves we're from our couches. It. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and and what's different when where I mean, I go to every practice. I go to every game right. every shoot around every everything and and at that you have conversations you get to know some of the that's play right. you know all that and when that slips away that decreases my value some I agree. or your value some more and, your value than my value just because you do it more than i do right and also your your need you need a staff if you don't need a staff job you need a living wage job right i mean i i uh have enough years of experience uh, accre accreting money in a very small amount. I'm not loaded, but I can get by right. and, and then exercise my Social Security at some point. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm, I think it's every, <laughs> whatever, everything's going to work out, glass half full. Right. But it, it is, you know, you just start, you're looking at this sort of stuff. And it, it's really interesting from the team perspective, right, too. Of yep. They yep. need us. Yes, they do. I don't, I don't mean that arrogantly. No. But they need, maybe it's not Britain Dane. They need the media the Timberwolves are objectively the least popular team in the NBA. Mm -hmm. They are were last in attendance, home and road combined. And I couldn't find this number exactly, but one of the lowest in local television ratings. Right. And again, I'm not ripping on them, whatever. They right. were long, like they're paying for the sins of the past there in yeah. a lot of ways. But it's critical for this franchise to become more popular than it is. When we're talking about things like the luxury tax or all right. that right. other sort of stuff, like they, they have to. They have to better engage this fan base to make more money. Right. And, and the media is the microphone. Right. And a lot of people have bigger microphones than you or I do, whether it's, you know, Malico with ESPN oh, yeah, yeah. or Eric or whatever it is, you know, right. those, those sort of people. But I don't want that size microphone. You no, know, no, me, me neither. Because it comes with strings that I don't want to attach. Exactly. But, but point is, they, the, the Timberwolves product needs to become more popular for this to work. And and they're gonna hit this crossroads where media access is just gonna change, whether it's for you and I or for everyone in general. Like this this is a watershed moment, as you said. And and I don't know, I guess selfishly I'm I'm hopeful that they, they figure that out so that you and I can have jobs. 
but and also so we can watch some ball for God's sake. Yeah, for real. Yeah, you know. But again, that the whole thing got triggered by the idea. I think there's a 50-50 chance that we don't see anybody crowned as an NBA champion. Okay. Okay, so you're saying finish this. That's different than start the season. Because would you say, say it's higher than it's did 50? Did I say 50% chance they won't start? I don't start? know. I don't remember what you I said. I may have. Yeah. The more we talked, the more I realized, because they are literally going to start doing practices soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say still there's a 25% chance they don't even start. I, I it don't. It won't take but, much. Yeah. Cash, all, man. You know, Cash. As, as Cash. Fauci always says, the virus will dictate what happens. Mm-hmm. And Sika. Sika says that. Yeah. <laughs> he likes that line. No, that's that's true. And and as we're recording this right now, we don't really know what the uh, the spike will be from the protests right. um, or, or anything. Like, yeah, so it is going to be different um, state, state to state, state government to state government. You know, all, all those sort of things are going to certainly impact how this all plays out but yeah i mean at the end of the day and i think the people are listening to this too is like we just you know selfishly we do want basketball what's up i mean there are people no but what i'm saying is we want basketball like oh yeah that that, you know those are the i don't know i mean like i'm I'm just i'm bummed that like one of my favorite weeks of the year is when i go out to summer league right in vegas like that's gone you know or or yeah or just like I, i don't know like a big part of both of our lives is like getting together with the people like right uh, at work, you know, right. and watching basketball together. And, and you know, that's gone. And that's, it's obviously that's on a selfish basis, you and I, but for everyone, anybody who's listening to this podcast fucking loves basketball. I'm assuming. Right. right. And, and like there is th- that hunger for that. And it's just really hard to know what to, to do with that. Should we be done? Sure. I think so. Um, let's do it again. Uh, before once we like have had some time to really look at like playoff matchups and stuff. Yeah, we can do an NBA one as well as a, a Wolves one. Yeah, well, I, th- I guess I. <laughs> sadly, I think this is going to be the end of the Wolves news for a while. Right, that's now. true. Although you know, there's always going to be the usual scuttlebutt about drafts and trades and all. Yeah, that but stuff. but I mean, I know, not, not is, until not right, until right. it's like there's nothing going to move the arrow except your own curiosity. See, right? but that's what's going to be weird about it is. So the normally like the lead up to the draft, the couple of weeks or the month before, right. it's three days, right? <laughs> it's three days. Like, what are we gonna? We're gonna we're gonna be See, studying. That may be actually where Rosas has an advantage. I, I think that's a good point. I think so. I think they. I know they've been on that. Yeah. For the past. Yeah, they've been on that. And so they, this should be the draft that not only the Timberwolves but every team in the NBA is most prepared for. Right. Ever. It shouldn't be a single possession of any of these players they haven't put their eyes on. Right. And and what do you let's 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 do just at the end of it? You've already probably said this to three or four other people. If they don't make a monster trade at the end of the day, what one or two players would you like to see on the roster who are collegians or Euros right now? Ooh, from the draft. Yeah. Um, Who's their best fit for what you think should be moving forward? Well, it's weird with the it's weird with the top pick. Um, let's call it three, right? Right. Where, I mean, I, I can't you give tra- you. I would trade back a little bit. I would do a Boston, right? Yeah, I, I guess. I just don't know how. I mean, good... I'd get Congo or whatever. See, I, I'm not as high on him as other people are. Uh-huh. I just I, like his fit. Yeah, yeah. No, I think 
it, he totally makes sense in that sort of way. I just don't understand why he's five and there's a bunch of other similar size centers who aren't quite the defender he is, but can shoot it. A Congo can't shoot at all. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why he's five and these other guys are in the second round. Like, I don't know if you want the Gophers, like Daniel Oturu. Right. Like, I, I'm not, Okongu is definitely better than Oturu, but Oturu can shoot some, and they're both these just like big, lanky sort of center guys who maybe will like be fours, fours I or fives in the leagues. I think Cat needs a trusted buddy on the front line. Yeah, I just don't think that guy need, can be five years younger than him. Okay. Well, we'll see. I, I, that's not a, uh, I don't think that's a bad point. Okay, so so I think if it's the top pick, I, I, where I'm at right now is I think it should be Anthony Edwards. I think he's the best player. I haven't. It's much harder to get film of Lamelo Ball. So I, as people right, know, have been right. listening to this. I I, I don't know. I thought. Do we need it? I mean, if you get Edwards, do you want to keep um, Malik? Yeah, I I'm much more comfortable with the one two three like going small that way in the front court okay. or in the back court. Yeah, I don't like that. Well, but. But that, I mean, yeah, obviously, he's not that Rosas small. does. So yeah. Know. So that's kind of what. It, right. Right. And, and I could jive with that. I think James Wiseman. A lot of people, um, you know, are are overlooking. And I, I think there's. He, he's absolutely monstrous. Right. And and obviously this is a little different with the Wolves because it would you right. take James Wiseman. You make Cat a four. You made Cat. And a four. what happens to Nas? I don't believe me. It matters. Yeah, to them, uh, to me. But you asked for me. I mean, right. no, I, I, like, know, I, I know. like Nas fine, but it's the same thing as Jordan McLaughlin. Right, I know. I like those guys. I like those guys, but right. they're they're literally fringe NBA players. Period. Right. That's right. just a fact. Um, so so it's there. I guess once we move back like a little bit deeper, you talk about like the 16 pick, or maybe if they're able to trade back or up to like 10. Um, I've liked this Aaron Neesmith guy a lot more. He's, he's shooter. another shooter. Yeah, he's a. I really like him as a shooter. And he's bigger. He's like 6'6", whereas like Tyrell Terry, who's this Minnesota guy, he's tiny. He's miniature. And Neesmith isn't a good, wasn't a good defender on film or anything there, but at least he's like – you know, it's like Buddy Heald's a bad defender, but at least he's 6'5". Yeah. And like I just want – I want defenders. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm – Well, uh, that's probably the difference. Then I, I like think Vassal. If you were to, I like, uh, yeah. you know, who everybody says is a really good defender. Yeah, he is. He, he is. He, he's – and Okongo, everybody says. Every, Okongo's comp is Okongo, Bam out, out of Bayou. Yeah, okay, but like I'm thinking, a lot man, of holes to be poked in that, too. Like, You think that's not true? Uh, it, I mean, Bam's really freaking good. Like, right, right. And, and here, Bam is – what makes Bam okay offensively because he can't shoot is he's one of the best big man passers in the league. Yes. Okongo passed zero this year at USC. Okay, Nothing. but can, can he guard – Two through five, like Bam can, or three through five. Yeah, so that's that's aces to me. That that is the category. Yeah. I want somebody. No, and I think most people listening to this are going to be like, if I can get a bigger Rocco, even without the offense, sign me up. And I think a lot of people listening to this would agree with you on, on you know on that. I think that's I think that's what a lot of. But again, you know, I mean, believe me. I don't all, think all the nineteen-year-old next to Cat at the fo- that, that way is the answer. Okay. My my personal opinion is. Which I think I've moved to this point. If I was running this team, I would, I would go with a, a situation where I would take James Wiseman and move Cat to the four. Okay. Or I would be, I would be exploring. I would be intrigued by that. I would be exploring options like that, whether that's in the you know the free agent market, the trade market too. Like, well, go Phoenix for that matter. Then, if you want to 
Get Aiden. Aiden and Cat. Well, I would like the five to actually be good at defense. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Aiden is not good at defense. I'm talking like a, like so a Capella. So you think Wiseman like can Capella. be a stud on defense? It's really hard to say. I've watched right. three of his games. Right. That's all right. that's available, but right. he's Embiid size. Okay. Well, or we'll get a, to Embiid that's, size. That's interesting. And, and it's fun. I've thought about with him a lot, like <laughs> Embiid had a kind of weird year, right? He had this. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, believe me. Uh, something has to happen there. I mean, Brett Brown is going to get shot in the head. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah. So the, Wiseman has some of that. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't totally put a, a big board together. I would. I'm most interested in them trading picks to get Karis Avert. Karis Avert. I've talked about Aaron Gordon, and I don't know. Shoot higher than that. I like, do not like Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I know you don't. Give but, me Aminu for half the price. Yeah, he's older, but he's it's a better fit for God's sake. Amino's a piece of barbed wire. Aaron Gordon, man. Aaron Gordon is Zach Levine in a power forward uniform. That's true. But you hate Levine more than I hate Levine. Well, hate is too strong a word. I detest his defense. Yeah, okay, I think right. he's a good dude. But you're right. I rip him every chance I get. If right. that qualifies as hate, then I hate him. No, I, my, my more point was I think Aaron Gordon has a weird mental makeup. I kind just, of too. And, but... The Amino reason I wrote would the big really thing about fit Gordon, well on this team. Yeah. It, he's making nine. Aaron Gordon's making 21. No, he's not making 16. The, the thing is, I think Aaron Gordon fits what Rosas wants uh, at the power forward. We're back to that. I, I know. That's no, what, I know. I know. That's what we're talking about. Why can't we be the GMs? Mom. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll do more of that later. And I'm also excited. You know, it's okay for us to put the wolves aside for. Sounds good to right, me. Right. Yep. Uh, for a month. Plus, we'll be able to watch things, so actually have some data, some right. data points Would that we helpful. can talk about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that's Britt Robson, at Britt Robson on Twitter. Thanks for doing it, Britt. Uh, coming out braving the, the COVID. Um, and I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Until uh, next week, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like no